Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Publishers, parents, and educators all have the same question. What do kids really want to read? We figured, why not ask them? Last fall, Scholastic partnered with YouGov, a third-party international market research firm. We surveyed nearly 3,000 parents and children about reading for fun. We're excited to share the results of the sixth edition of our biannual Kids and Family Reading Report. First, an encouraging takeaway. Nearly 6 in 10 kids from ages 6 to 17 say that they enjoy reading. Yep, they read for fun. Here's another quick fact. The average home with kids has 104 children's books. Let's break it down a bit. When you consider such factors as household income or how much kids are actually reading, we start to see big disparities. High-income households have an average of 127 children's books, but in households with annual incomes below $35,000, the average number of books actually dips to 69. We also found that kids who say they often read for fun are living in homes with more than twice as many books as kids who read for fun less than once a week. Now, Kristen Harmling, Senior Vice President at YouGov and manager of this national research project, will walk us through some of the key findings. Now, this this interesting thing to note about the combination or the interaction between income and number of households, number of books within a household, is that in the last wave of the Kids and Family Reading Report, we ran a regression analysis to try to determine what it was that predicted kids' reading frequency. And what we learned is that while clearly the pattern shows that higher income households have more children's books in the household, it wasn't necessarily income on its own that predicted children's reading frequency. In fact, household income did not fit within the regression model. Instead, what we learned was that it was about how much children enjoy reading, how often parents model reading books. It's a belief that reading books for fun is important among the children, and it is also access to books, um, but it is not necessarily income. So the idea of what predicts reading frequency is far more complex than just income, and there are ways to give children access to books to get around the income barrier when it comes to the size of family libraries. Now, Donalyn Miller joins us by phone to give us her take. Donalyn is a Texas-based educator who has taught language arts and social studies on the elementary and middle school level. The author of two professional books, she also serves as a reading ambassador for Scholastic Book Fairs. Donalyn, as you know from the report, access to books is still a huge barrier for many kids. How can we address that more effectively? Well, what we want is for all of our students to live in what we call a book flood. We want them to have access to books in the classroom. We want them to have strong 
school libraries staffed by degreed librarians. We want them to own some books at home. And we also want them to have meaningful access to community library resources like public libraries and even bookstores. But what we found is too many of our children live in what we call a book desert. They don't have meaningful access to books in their schools. They don't have meaningful access to books in their homes. They don't have meaningful community access. And the children who most often live in book deserts are disproportionately children in poverty who are predominantly children of color. So this access gap is, is, is having a negative impact on our kids. We talk a lot about how socioeconomic um, is a predictor of academic success, of professional achievement, but let's talk about why, why that is. Because many of our children in poor communities lack access to some of the same resources that children in more affluent homes might have. The University of Nevada, Reno, conducted a longitudinal study and released it in the past four or five years where they looked at countries all over the world. And what they found was that kids who had access to about 500 books over the course of their childhood stayed in school 3.2 years longer than the kids who didn't have access to the books. That's a difference between getting a high school diploma and not getting one, getting a college degree and not getting one. So access to books is a game changer for our kids. Uh, working with um, with low-income communities to really increase this kind of book access, how can we get more books in the hands of kids, encouraging that public library use um, where kids are using their library cards. Uh, for many families in poverty, there are some tangible obstacles to getting that library card. So if we want our families to take uh, advantage of those libraries, we can be more active liaison in connecting families with services at the library, um, through the school, and then also through community efforts. Now, what strategies did you employ when you were teaching low-income children to try to help expose them to as many books as possible? Well, read-alouds every single day in the classroom. Often with read-alouds, we're, we're building up so much background knowledge and vocabulary, but we're also introducing kids to books honestly, physically putting books in children's hands for them to take home. Um, we, we talk about a lot of efforts to get some of our kids that access, but there's no better access than just physically giving a child a book that they can own. An entire section of the Kids and Family Reading Report is devoted to finding out just how much reading aloud is going on in homes these days. Here again is Kristen Harmeling from YouGov, to share those findings with us. One of the things that we learned about reading aloud was that it is a strong predictor of kids' reading frequency later in their lives. And that was from the analysis that we did on the fifth edition of the Kids and Family Reading Report. So in this wave of the study, we dug deeply on the dynamics of reading aloud in the home, and we found some good news because the report reveals an increase in parents with kids ages zero to five reading aloud early and often compared to the findings from this study two years ago. So three quarters of parents with kids ages zero to five say they started reading aloud to their child before age one. And 40% say that they began when their child was less than three months old. This is up from 30% just two years ago. So that message about reading 
to children allowed from birth does seem to be getting through, and we will be watching this measure in future waves of the study. Similarly, the frequency of reading aloud to young children five to seven days a week has increased um, since 2014 among parents with um, children aged three to five, so that critical preschool age. So that's also good news. Yet we still see the frequency with which kids are read to aloud takes a significant drop after age five and also again after age eight. So what this says to us, and we did ask parents in the prior wave of the study, well, what are some of the reasons that you stopped reading aloud to your children? And many parents told us that they sort of felt, well, when my child could be an independent reader, it was time for him or her to read on their own. The power of reading aloud to children as they progress through the elementary school years can't be understated. Uh, we know this from the empirical research, and I think parents need that message and need motivation to continue the experience of reading aloud. Because the fact of the matter is, both children and parents absolutely enjoy read aloud time. Many tell us that they love it, that they like it a lot, and the number one reason for both parents and for children that they love read aloud time is because it's a special time together, and reading aloud together is simply fun. That's great. It's so funny how powerful reading aloud can be. I mean, for me, what, the most magical times of my own elementary school are recalling our fifth grade teacher reading to us after lunch. I mean, it really doesn't take much. You open a great book and read. But finding that great book, the one that will speak to the soul of the child reading it, is often more challenging for kids than we might think. Here's Kristen again. We also learned that parents underestimate the degree to which kids have trouble finding books they like. So we have only 29% of parents who agree with the statement that my child has trouble finding books he or she likes, whereas 41% of kids say that this is a challenge for them. And among kids who don't read frequently, those infrequent readers who read less than one day a week, only 57% of them say that they have trouble finding a book they like. Only 26% of frequent readers share this sentiment. Donalyn, what's going on here? When we look, in, uh, look at the, what the children told us about who they get book information from, they primarily get it from their teachers, their family members, their librarians, their peers. So some of those transactions of looking for a book may be happening at school, which means by the time a child comes home with a book, the parent sees a, a successful book interaction going on. But that, that the children have been part of that looking for a book experience at school, perhaps, and they've been able to work with a teacher or a librarian or a peer to get a book recommendation. So that may be why uh, the children express uh, that they struggled a bit more than the parents thought they did, because often what the parents see is the end result of that reading advisory uh, where a child comes home with a book they're happy about, um, which speaks highly of the power of teachers and librarians to be able to, to make those connections for kids. Some children, just particularly children who lack reading experience, they just haven't seen a lot of the types of books that are available for them to read. Um, the children in the report that had more reading experience seem to express less trouble finding a book. That's because they know more about the types of books they, they like, so the types of books that are available. They may have more author knowledge or series awareness or title awareness, and they also might be connected more to other readers their own age. So 
it, it seems to me that giving kids a lot of opportunities to preview, share, and talk about books they might be interested in reading um, could help us in this regard, could help our kids. Our very own scholastic librarian, Demosa Weber Bay, is often on the receiving end of the questions, what should I read next? What should my child read? Demosa, how do you help find the right book for readers? I definitely ask what their interests are. You know, what are the sort of things that their child likes to do with their spare time? What are the movies that they enjoy? Um, what's something that they've read recently that the child enjoyed or something that they didn't like? Because sometimes that can help you to kind of finesse and figure out what it is they like. Um, definitely to take more than one book you know, maybe it doesn't work as much at the store, but if you're at school or at the library, if you take a bunch of books to choose from, the, if you're reading for pleasure, and so if you take 10 books in the library, you know, and say, oh, take, you know, take all five, take 10 of them. If you don't like it, stop reading. Mm-hmm. You know, go to the next thing. Uh, you know, feeling, especially with reading for fun, that freedom to put something down. And when you go back to the recommender, be it the parent, the teacher, librarian, friend, you know, even like a website where you're rating things, interacting with people to express why you didn't like something. And that will help you find, you know, what you might like in the uh-huh. future. And if all else fails, it's always good to recommend things that are perennial favorites with kids and parents. And the Kids and Family Reading Report found that Dr. Seuss, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Goosebumps, Percy Jackson, The Olympians, Harry Potter are just favorites across all age groups. When Demosa asks what a child wants in a book, she usually hears very specific things like dragons or sports trivia. We wanted to find out in broader strokes what it is exactly that draws kids and parents to specific books. The top two responses, perhaps unsurprisingly, were books that offer just a good story and, quote, books that make me laugh. But we were also heartened to see that a significant number of parents reported that they're looking for diversity in the books that they give to their children. According to the survey results, the majority of parents define diversity very broadly as, quote, people and experiences different than those of my child. Why is that so important, and how can we make sure that stories with diverse characters are also considered just good stories? Here's Donalyn. Well, Grace Lynn has said this, the author Grace Lynn, uh, who's a Newbery Honor winner and a National Book Award uh, longlist winner. She says, you know, we need diverse books so that Sunday all good multicultural stories can just be called good stories. You know, we're living in a diverse world and, and children, uh, we want children to have empathy for people with different experiences than they do. I noticed from looking at the report that that was the number one reason parents listed that they wanted children to, to read books with diverse content because they wanted children to learn about the perspectives of people who had different lives than their child. And um, we know that reading fosters empathy. We know that it fosters awareness. Um, and so also it, it exposes children to the rich, the rich tapestry of people that we have in the world. I love that. Here's what Demosa has to add about the importance of diversity and inclusivity in children's literature. Parents also want to show their children successes and things that they can ex- aspire to themselves and the stories that are being told. It gives children 
the inspiration that they too could become somebody who writes, they too could be somebody who illustrates, they too could be somebody maybe that works in publishing, mm-hmm. something like that. If um, if they feel like they're always other to the experience of reading and they're other to the characters that are going on, they may not see a place for themselves in the future. But when they see themselves in the literature and the authors and the illustrators and that, you know, then you think, oh, maybe when I grow up, I'll write a book. And how wonderful our world would be if all of those children grew up to tell their own stories. Thanks again to Kristen, Donalyn, and Demosa for joining us. And thank you for joining us and for sharing in our mission at Scholastic, where we believe that the right book in a child's hands can open a world of possible. To learn more about this year's Kids and Family Reading Report, go to scholastic.com slash reading report.